Everything is running. Excellent. Perfect. Father, we are back again after a very short weekend. Yeah, it was it was it was quite brief. We recorded 950 to 1000 on Thursday. Thursday. Mm-hmm. And now it is Monday and we are recording 1000 to 1050. Um probably because we normally record on the last Thursday of the month and it is Thanksgiving the last Thursday of the month. And the last Thursday of October, we couldn't pull it off because I was flying back from Portugal. Mm-hmm. So there you so have it. So we just decided to squash them <laughs> together and do it back to back. But you know what? Things great. It's nice just to keep up the pace. Absolutely. Keep things going. Keep your mind fresh. So what we're going to do is we're going to pray, and then we're going to dive into the next 50 paragraphs. Let's do it. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your countless gifts, for the gift of our lives, for the freedom that you so lovingly bestow upon us. Give us the strength each day to respond to the call of our daily duties, to strive to live out the greatest commandments, to love you with all of our hearts, to love our neighbors as ourselves, and to do that with each passing moment and what you're calling us to do right now. Help us to continue to strive to do this throughout our lives, that we may be with you forever in heavenly glory, with the Holy Spirit, with our Blessed Mother and all the angels and saints forever. And we ask this through the intercession of our Blessed Mother as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Most sacred heart of Jesus. Have mercy on us. Immaculate heart of Mary. Pray for us. Saint Joseph. Pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right, as always, quick summary of where we are at in the Catechism. Still going through the Creed. We are going to be completing the 11th point of the Creed, the resurrection of the body. We will complete the 12th point of the Creed, uh, Life Everlasting. But we're not done with the first section. We are like... Because we need one more word at the end. One more word. The last word is... Should, should we let it be? Let, let's see if people oh, can guess yeah. what it is there's by the time we get to the end. One more word. There's one more word in the creed that and we it's will more obvious than you think. get to today. <laughs> yep. And we will finish in December. And then we will officially be on the second part of the catechism Woo-hoo! starting December. Second out of four. That'll second be great. out of four. Yeah, It's going to be lovely. So very... Very exciting that we made it this far. I know. We thought it was a highlight to hit a thousand paragraphs. I know, but, but no, this yeah, is even better. You know, I, today's just like today's a highlight all across the board. Finishing I, that whole first section will be feeling indeed, really good. Indeed. All right. Well, let's keep talking about the resurrection of the body. So we talked about the resurrection of the body. We talked about um, heaven. Uh, excuse me. The church militant, church uh, suffering, and the uh, church triumphant last time. And so we're kind of finishing up with this resurrection of the body section. And the last kind of point that we really didn't get to last time that we'll start off with today is about the dead rising, Mm -hmm. right? This is a big question. Yeah. The dead will rise, question mark? This is going to happen? And yes, the church teaches that it will. How will it happen? When will it happen? In what way will it happen? The church doesn't clarify that much. And I love that too. And I love it sort of like they give you the questions or the the words, like the, the famous ones that journalists are supposed to ask, right? What is rising? Who will rise? How? And then again, how? And I love paragraph 1000. This how, scare quotes, mm-hmm. exceeds our imagination and understanding. It is accessible only by faith. Yet our participation in the Eucharist already gives us a foretaste of Christ's transfiguration of our bodies. And it goes on with a quote from St. Irenaeus that says, Just as bread that comes from the earth, after God's blessing has been invoked upon it, is no longer ordinary bread, but Eucharist, formed of two things, the one earthly and the other heavenly. So too our bodies, which partake of the Eucharist, are no longer corruptible, but possess the hope of resurrection. And I'll tell you just what that made me think of in particular. So I think I've kind of like alluded to this before in my uh, vocation story, which Mm -hmm. I'm sure I've shared in various ways. My grandma, who was convinced I was going to be a priest from the time she found out my mom was going to have a boy, um, you know, it was like, of course she'll be at my ordination. That's not even a question. I mean, come on. She died April 9th, 2009. I was ordained a deacon April 26th, 2009. So she was just 15 days shy of me being ordained. And of course, I mean, that was, it was a shocker. I mean, I, I really, it was like, Grandma, you're going to make it. It'll be fine. And then at her funeral, obviously I wasn't a deacon yet. Um, 
but it was, I, I got to give like a post-communion reflection. And it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, we're all united in the Eucharist, mm-hmm. you know, and just the fact of, you know, as St. Irenaeus talks about, it's like the bread, which is earthly, becomes heavenly, becomes the body of Christ. And of course, it's like, it is a mystery. It's under the veil. We don't, like, we can't completely understand all of the glories of the Eucharist. But I will say this, last night, I was having a brief conversation with your friend of mine, Father Joseph Waswak, mm-hmm. he stayed at the rectory last night, we got to go out to dinner. We were just talking about some of the woes and craziness in the church. Like, yeah, Joseph, I said, if nothing else, it just proves the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist. Because if it was up to us to keep running this institution, it would have fallen apart a long time ago. And, you know, our Lord takes the earthly, you know, applies the heavenly and makes it himself, Mm -hmm. you know. And so, yes, is, is it greater than what we can perfectly understand? Yeah, it is. But, you know... There are some things that are still sort of beyond the veil, but we know that we're moving towards it. Exactly. And as we're moving towards it, and since we're united within the Eucharist, the idea, and we've talked about this a lot, the idea of rising and living with Christ is really a reality that we can partake in now, even pre-bodily death. Um, The Catechism goes on to talk about how when we are baptized, Mm -hmm. we're united in Christ's death. If we are when we're baptized, if we're united in Christ's death, we're also able to unite ourselves with Christ in life. Yeah. Even now. Absolutely. And so death is not so much a beginning or an end. It's really just a just a transition, just yeah. a transition state. Because we should be participating, we are participating in the heavenly mystery now, as we talked about last time, and within the baptism. Mm-hmm. And within receiving the Eucharist, as you very much quoted there in paragraph four thousand. Yeah. And, you know, I was thinking about this the other day, too. You know, it's interesting because when you sort of like relate everything back to the garden and the fall of our first parents and why death entered the world, you know, it's like they bought the lie of you will become like God if you reach out and eat this thing. And it's so interesting. It's like God, eventually it's like, no, that's not the way to go about it. He's going to give us himself to eat that we may become like him. I mean, it's just so fascinating. It's like, you know, the devil likes to take and corrupt because that's all he can do. He can't create. But our Lord wants us to participate in his eternal life. And now it's like we, we do that through our death and baptism. You know, it's like I hear it at funerals all the time. You know, are you unaware that you were, you were baptized into Christ, were baptized into his death, you know, rather his resurrection? Like we, we already get to participate here and now in his eternal life. And I think the other important thing to remind ourselves is that death is a direct fall of sin. Mm-hmm. Death was not supposed to exist. There still, I mean, even Adam and Eve were able to walk with God in the garden, but they weren't experienced the beatific vision in the same way that we're going to experience beatific vision in heaven. And this is why we say, oh, happy fault at Mm -hmm. the Easter vigil, that there is something even higher that we are going to receive after the fall of Adam and Eve than we would have necessarily beforehand if we would have stayed in the garden the entirety of the time. We probably wouldn't have received the Eucharist in the same way either. Um, or Christ becoming man without that fall. But that's kind of a conversation for another part of the, oh, yeah. uh, and of it, the catechism. And, and, it, and it's very much you know, like speculative theology yep. and all that. However, yeah, I mean, what we have revealed to us and told, you know, it's like, okay, we had the fall. We have the consequences of the fall of, you know, sin and death in the world. And yet, you know, I use Eucharistic prayer for this weekend, by the I way. I totally you know? noticed. And I do, and it's just one of those, like, this is going to, this is the last Sunday I could use it for a while mm-hmm. because it has its own proper preface. And so you have to use that preface. And the next several Sundays will have a preface I have to use. For example, uh, Christ the King this coming Sunday, the Sundays of Advent, Christmas. So I couldn't use Eucharistic prayer for then. Plus, I thought it just kind of ties in well with the homily. Mm-hmm. But I just love that line about, you know, when in our disobedience, you know, we had fallen away and had death. It's like, you did not abandon us to death. You know, it's like you sent us prophets, you sent us covenants. And then in the fullness of time, you so loved the world that you gave us your only begotten son. I mean, it's just, it's so beautiful, you know, in the way that even when we found ourselves in death, in paragraph uh, 1006 quotes Gaudium et Spes, it is in regard to death that man's condition is most shrouded in doubt. But nevertheless, as I like to use this analogy sometimes, it's like, okay, if you consider death to be like a pool in front of us, like the scary waters, it's like Jesus is like our dad who jumps in the pool ahead of us and then like turns around, sticks out his hands like, you can trust me, go ahead and jump in. You know, it's like, it's, you're going to be okay. 
Like, mm-hmm. I know it's shrouded in doubt, and he's gone first, and it's scary. But, you know, like, our Lord has gone first and opened the way to eternal life. So we know that death is not the definitive end. And we can take consolation in that fact mm-hmm. that Christ obviously became man and died for us. And that there is, in some ways, even a positive light now mm-hmm. put on death. Yeah. This is why we know that death is the gateway to the beatific vision, mm-hmm. that we have to experience death. And this is why some of our greatest saints, dare I say, not wished for death, but looked forward to death because yeah. the reward after is so much greater than we can comprehend here in life. And I know it's coming up. I mean, St. Yeah, St. Paul says it, and I forget yeah, in right which there. letter. Yeah, I think it's, is it Philippians? For to me, uh-huh. life is Christ and death is gain. Um, I know it's coming. What, what it's right there in 1011. 1011. Okay, I knew it was coming. Maybe that's the fault. I shouldn't have brought the computer. I should have brought the actual book. Hey, you know what? That's all right. You're looking <laughs> way more technology sufficient than I am. It's okay. Well, the nice thing is this, I can click on things and actually get the reference. However, um, yeah, you're right. It's uh, Yeah, and St. Paul even saying in the midst of that, it's like, you know, he knows that it's to the benefit of the people that he's serving that he stick around as long as possible. Mm-hmm. And our Lord knows, I mean, we'll get to this later on with the, you know, the the last judgment, you know, it's yep. like we have the particular and then the final grand judgment. It's like the way that it all works out in our Lord's plan. Like he is the master conductor of the symphony that is all of human existence and life. And so he knows the way that this needs to fall. And what do we have to do? We have to cooperate with him. And, uh, you know, and yeah, we know that that's going to involve our life coming to an end, but... A life lived well in Christ, that's a glorious goal to which we're we're moving towards, you know? And a greater glorious goal that we receive after the fact exactly. of living that life in Christ. Exactly. Um, and it is it does feel like this little bit of an oxymoron though, mm-hmm. with us living this life and clinging on to life and the goodness of what is life. And we can't necessarily see the reward, right? We have to have faith of what that reward is. Yeah. Sure, we can get a foretaste of it here on heaven, but if somebody were to explain a good bowl of ice cream to me and said, hey, you got to do this really kind of dang- uh, scary thing before sure. you can get the rest of ice cream, thankfully heaven is way better than ice cream. Way better than ice cream. But it would still be like, but I don't know what this thing is I'm getting. Is it yeah. worth this risk? Is it worth, well, we don't really have a choice in death. We are all going to die. So it will come no matter what. But trying to have that faith and asking Christ for more faith of, under- of trying to understand that Yes, this is the greatest gift that we can ever receive. And looking forward to that while trusting our father who already jumped into the pool and saying, okay, but this is kind of scary too. Yeah. Um, Now, I really like the quote here um, by um, the imitation of Christ. Oh, I do too. This is is in paragraph 1014. Mm -hmm. Go ahead and read it. So death is coming, right? Mm -hmm. Let's preface this. Death is coming for all of us. We know it. And we always need to be prepared. Christ talks about this consistently in Scripture. Be prepared, be awake, the thief comes in the night, be prepared with the oil at the wedding feast. Several different, I mean, many different oh, yeah. occasions. All over the place. Imitation of Christ, there's a quote that they cite here in the Catechism that I think is fantastic. Father agrees, and I'm going to read it. Please. Every action of yours, every thought, should be those of one who expects to die before the day is out. Death would have no great terrors for you if you had a quiet conscience then why not keep clear of sin instead of running away from death? If you aren't fit to face death today, it's very unlikely you will be tomorrow. I love that last part, too. Oh, man. It's so good. So it's ultimately saying, always be ready for death. Yeah. Have a quiet, peaceful conscience about Mm -hmm. death. It is coming. It is unavoidable. There have been... Billions and billions of people who have died before us. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I feel like we forget that. Yeah. How many people have actually done this before we have? I mean, if you were Adam and Eve, yeah. You're, <laughs> sure. Well, actually, Abel would have been the first reported by Scripture to actually have died. Yeah. Okay, fine. You can have a little bit more terror then because you're the first one to do this. Sure. But we've come after billions and billions of people who have all suffered the same thing. It is inevitable. But we just have to be prepared for it, yeah. no matter the day nor the hour, because we do not know when it's coming. And it is interesting. It's like we try to trick ourselves in so many ways in this day and age as though it's not going to come. So, you know, and we kind of do this weird sort of like worship of youthfulness or mm-hmm. just like youth in this day and age. And I mean, 
when you get into like, okay, hope I don't offend anybody, but like, you know, like cosmetic surgery and stuff like that, that's not for the sake of like fixing something so you can better function, but just like, you know, for a 70 year old to look like they're a 40 year old, it's like, you don't really look like a 40 year old. You look like a 70 year old who had cosmetic surgery, you know? And, and it's one of those things where it's like, Hey, just embrace the age. It's okay. Like growing older, growing in wisdom, like having these things. Like I like to say, um, so I've had some people point out every once in a while, which is always great. Like, oh, you're really getting some gray hair. Like, yeah. And I've earned every one of them. You know, mm-hmm. it's like we, you know, with the passage of time, that's, it's, it's a good thing. I will say one of the, my favorite sort of ongoing themes of Pope Francis is his railing against the throwaway culture, mm-hmm. you know, and cause yeah, we don't, we don't throw away these lives. We've been given one life and we need to live it well to the fullest, the best that we can. And to keep, you know, living today as though, hey, today may be the last day of my life. So I need to do this in the, the best possible way. And and it and that's incredibly freeing too. Um, it also means frequent confession, you know? I mean, that's once again, like not just setting the bar so low that's like, well, I haven't murdered anybody. Great, but your life is about more than being a not murderer. You know, like you want to strive for the heights and um, to be able to say to our Lord who gave you these talents, look, Lord, I went out with the five you gave me and I've made five more, you know, not, I knew you were an exacting, terrible leader and you were going to punish me. So I buried them in a napkin. Like what? Like, it just doesn't make any sense. You know, so to like, look at all those parables and to to think too, I mean, this is the other thing I think is important to remember in so many of those times when Jesus is talking about people being like locked in the outer darkness, what does he say? I never knew you. Or I never knew, or I don't know where you are from. You know, it's like he wants to know us. He wants us to invite him into our homes, into the, you know, the very depths of our being. And it's one of those things, once again, it's like the more you know him, and as we get down here later on into the description of heaven, it's so relational, you know? And so the more that we know him, we're in relationship with him, the more we love him, quite frankly. You know, it's like that will get you out of bed in the morning. That will get you doing the things you're supposed to do and living today as though you appreciate the gifts he's given you and you want to keep compounding on those gifts, making more and more. So ultimately, this conclusion is be prepared for death. Yeah. Because it is coming for us all. But Christ has given us the sacraments. Mm -hmm. These are the ways in which we receive the sanctifying grace to be as prepared for death as possible. Yeah. Really. All the time. In some ways, you could be perfectly prepared because Christ, who is perfect, gave them to us. Exactly. Um, And to remind ourselves that death is coming for us all and we're going to have to embrace it. We could fight it or run from it. And I also think it's amazing how much pop culture has created this this fictional reality of running away from death. Yeah. I mean, for crying out loud, you get the fountain of youth, you know, 500,000 plus years ago in mythology and things. And how many movies today are about the creation of something that helps us live forever or yeah. to avoid death? I mean, almost every single movie has some sort of tint in that. So we recognize that it is something that we aren't made for, as Scripture talks about. But it is coming for us. Whereas, really, that line, once again, from Imitation Christ, then why not keep clear of sin instead of running away from death? Because, once again, it's like, you know what? You get free of sin. You go to confession. You reconcile with your brother. you, You do the very best that you can. You're gonna sleep easier. You're gonna, like, be a peaceful person. Whereas, like, just trying to extend your time on the clock, if you're not living a good sin-free life, you're not going to be happy anyway. It's like, why continue on the misery? Just fix the misery, be in love with Christ and your brother, you'll be fine. Yeah. And, side note, I think it's important to point out, 10.13, last line, there's re- no reincarnation after death. Yeah, there you go. I think go. it's important to point out, yeah. I feel like our, our culture today is a little bit more interested in Eastern spirituality yeah. in a lot of ways. Catechism, Catholic Church, 1013. There's yeah. no reincarnation after death. We as Catholics do not believe in no. reincarnation. And and we believe in something so much better. Yeah, I just back a sentence from that. When the single course of our earthly life is completed, we shall not return to other earthly lives. It is appointed for men to die once. And that's like we're striving for something a lot better than just to go at it again in the same sort of a way. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, I mean, no, it's it's a lot better than that. Like, a lot better than mere reincarnation. Yeah, we don't have to live dozens of lives to find that nirvana peaceful no. happiness. And it's you better than nirvana one. anyway. Just yeah. do it right the first time. You only got one time anyways. Exactly. Um, so, 
ask for forgiveness for your sins, stay close to God, sleep easy. You'll be fine. It's great. Exactly. Yeah. Good stuff. All right. Last article of the catechism. Woohoo. I believe in everlasting of life. Of the creed. Of the creed. Excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> You're fine. No, we're not done with the catechism yet. We have plenty more of that. Got a lot to go on that. Last article of the creed. I believe in everlasting life. Yeah. And so, death, and then there is more. Yep. Life everlasting. And I will say, okay, so paragraph 1020. Um, it quotes here the prayer of final commendation, which just, fun fact, so I just had a funeral, right, for uh, Mr. Elutario. And so last Monday, I had another funeral, and we had got an emergency call right before. I knew I had to go right after the funeral. I went and saw the gentleman I had the funeral for today, and you could tell he was, he was at the end. In fact, he died just a couple hours later. Mm-hmm. Um, but I got to pray this prayer, which I'm going to pray right now. I'm just going to go ahead and read it out loud. It's in the, um, the pastoral care of the sick book that when I go and anoint someone, if someone is clearly at the end, after this beautiful litany of the saints, we, I get to pray this prayer of uh, final commendation. And so it goes like this. Go forth, Christian soul, from this world. In the name of God, the Almighty Father who created you, in the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God who suffered for you, in the name of the Holy Spirit who has poured out upon you, go forth, faithful Christian. May you live in peace this day. May your home be with God in Zion, with Mary, the Virgin Mother of God, with Joseph and all the angels and saints. May you return to your Creator who formed you from the dust of the earth. May Holy Mary, the angels, and all the saints come to meet you as you go forth from this life. May you see your Redeemer face to face. It's so beautiful. And to be able to pray that, and I often like to say to folks, now to be fair, Elitario, he was a Spanish speaker, and I don't know Spanish well enough to just kind of whisper this to him. But usually I'd be like, hey, buddy, I'm praying for you. Make sure you pray for me when you get there, okay? You know, it's like just, especially after I've just given them confession, you know, they've received absolution, they receive anointing of the sick, they receive viaticum, their last communion, and then um, giving them the apostolic pardon. It's like, you've got everything and here's this it's like you're going to be there very soon just like put in a good word for me huh can you define apostolic pardon? apostolic pardon it's it's a special blessing that we get to give usually when you're right there at the end just like a complete forgiveness of everything um sort of like a, i think it's a special indulgence to prayer of just you know may you be released from all punishments in this life and in the life to come so, because confession is going to forgive the sin. Exactly. But and yeah. this is like the, like the punishments, yeah. It's yeah, the really yeah. apostolic in... pardon would be that temporal punishment, yeah. really, that we would pay back in purgatory. Mm-hmm. And hopefully having all that absolved. I mean, it's, it's a pretty amazing thing. Oh, yeah. And to get to go and to do that, and that's why, okay, I'm just going to say this very clearly, looking at the camera. If your loved one is sick, or if you yourself are sick, call the parish. <laughs> call me that I may come. And do it early and often. Don't wait until four seconds before your loved one is about to die. Call. And this is the good thing, too, is we talk about all these wonderful things about heaven and about, you know, what our eternal destiny is with Christ. You don't have to feel bad about this. It's like, oh, no, we don't want to worry, Jerry, you might die. Okay, he's going to die. Like, it's going to happen. Like, just because I'm there, I'm not going to go in and start yelling at someone. You know, it's like, I get to come to bring them the grace of the sacrament. Don't let the devil's lies come in there of, well, you know, we don't want to make him feel bad. It's like, no, like he needs the sacraments. She needs the sacraments. You need the sacraments. And this is the thing too. Don't ever think, oh, father's so busy. Guess what? I have Michael Becker. He's our director of operations. I have Sonia, EJ, Sharon. We have Flora. We have the whole school staff. Everybody's here to help me. I'm the only one in this parish who can go out and do these awesome things. So don't worry about me being busy. This is a priority. Just call and make sure that I get there. Plus, remember, with all of HIPAA laws and all that, the hospital doesn't call on your behalf just because you're there and you marked Catholic. You got to call. And I I can't read minds or anything like that. I can't bilocate. You got to let us know. But we will do everything we can to get me or another priest there. And I also think, as I've talked to people going along this kind of similar train of thought, is people have a, somewhat of a misunderstanding of what anointing of the sick is. Sure. They understand it as last rites, so they feel like it has to be near the end no. for this to work. The anointing of the sick, which is the same sacrament as last rites, just yeah. a different name. It's And I think last rites sort of encompasses everything at the end. Like I just prayed the prayer of final commendation, mm-hmm. right? Like if you're going in for shoulder surgery and I'm giving you anointing of the sick before you go in for surgery, I'm not going to pray the prayer of final commendation because you're probably not going to die. 
But if it's clear, like it was with Mr. El Utario a week ago, I knew he's not going to make it. I'm going to do everything I can. And here's the thing. Sometimes people swing back. They get better. I mean, medical science is wonderful, Mm -hmm. but it isn't God. It doesn't know everything. Miracles do happen. People do get better. It's happened within my own priestly ministry. Not because I'm awesome, because God is great. And sometimes, you know, it's like, I've just learned one thing. Like, we don't know what's coming next. And so don't be afraid to call. And yeah, okay, last right sort of contains everything I just talked about. But if you get better, we can give it again. Like, err on the side of receiving too much, not on not receiving enough. Um, I don't think, you know, when I go before our Lord in the particular judgment, which we're coming to next, mm-hmm. he's going to be like, why were you so generous with the sacraments? You know, I think he's going to say like, whoa, why didn't you do this more? You know, I, I, I would much rather err on the side of we did it too much. Um, early and often. Early and often. It's like voting in Chicago. You know, like, let's just, let's make sure this happens. And um, yeah, it's just, it's it's a crucial thing. And don't, yeah. Don't worry about it being yeah, last rites. It's like an anointing of the sick too. I love this definition from Father Tom Kessler. The anointing is either going to help you to get better or it will help prepare you for the best. I really like that a lot because mm-hmm. sometimes people do get physically better and they live longer. Sometimes they don't. Okay, this is all about you know eternal life and cooperating with the will of God. Sometimes it's his will that you get up out of that bed and you keep going. Sometimes it's his will that your life has come to an end. Let's just keep him in the midst of it all. Exactly. And when your life does come to an end, you get the particular judgment. Exactly. And so this particular judgment essentially is giving that reward, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I've always been taught, right, God's mercy goes as long as you're alive. Yep. As soon as you depart, then there's a judgment, mm-hmm. particular judgment of your life to deem whether you knew him or you did not. Right, as yeah. you said, heaven is relational. Yeah, if you know Jesus and have a relationship with Him now, you're going to have a relationship with Him forever, forever, in everlasting life in heaven. Um, and this comes back to the Bible passage of the separation of the sheep and the goats. Right, when the goats were sent sent away, they said, you know, Jesus says, "You're sent away because you did not know me, and I don't know you." Yeah. They said, "But wait a second, when did we see you?" Right. Yeah, and this. We kind of know the rest of it. We do. Um, but this this everlasting life and ultimately everlasting damnation on the other side. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we should all be striving for that everlasting life and doing everything that Jesus says to receive that everlasting life and going to confession and anointing of the sick and all these things that we've been talking about. Essentially, the entirety of the creed is leading us to this judgment. Absolutely. Let's you know what, let's just read paragraph ten twenty two. Do it. Um, each man receives his eternal retribution in his immortal soul at the very moment of his death in a particular judgment that refers his life to Christ, either entrance into the blessedness of heaven through a purification or immediately or immediate and everlasting damnation. And then it quotes uh, St. John of the Cross, at the evening of life, we shall be judged on our love. I love that too. It's so good. And, and once again, that I think that little line we shall be judged on our love, should help us with confession. Um, and the fact of, ah, oh, Father, I don't know what to confess. I haven't done anything. It's like, well, actually, I haven't done anything could be a problem. Because, like, are you just, like, playing not to lose? Are you just kind of sitting back? Or, like, are you actually acting on the opportunities, the gifts, the characteristics God has given you to live out charity, you know, to be a charitable human being, building up love in the world around you? Or you just a selfish jerk could just say something. Yeah, you may not be out there cussing people out and stealing and robbing, but like, are you actually using the gifts God has given you to build up his kingdom, to love the people he's placed in your life? Or is your life all about selfishness? Because you don't want to live that way. You know, it's like, I love the uh, examination of conscience help um, by using St. Paul's letter to the Corinthians. It's chapter 13, verses 4 to 7, the love chapter. You know, love is patient, love is kind, it's not boast, not jealous. But to take out the word love and to put in your own name, like, are you living out love? Because you will be judged on that. What did you do with the gifts God has given you? And everybody's going to do them different. We all have different temperaments, you know? It's like different people have different ways of going about this. Fine. But ask our Lord to help you to know, like, where am I supposed to apply my gifts? Yeah, love is not a a void, just not mm-hmm. doing the evil, but it's going yeah. out and doing the active and doing the, the good mm-hmm. because that is what 
as St. John of the Cross said, you will be judged on your love, but just like we continue to talk about that we can be living in heaven now, that continues, right? Yeah. 10, 10.23, those who die in God's grace in friendship and are perfectly purified live forever with Christ. This living forever in Christ, down to 10.24, um, it talks about what heaven is, right? Because mm-hmm. heaven is the place of living forever in Christ. This perfect life with the most blessed, most holy trinity, this communion of life and love with the Trinity, with the Virgin Mary, the angels and all the blessed, is called heaven. Heaven is the ultimate end and fulfillment of the deepest human longings, the state of supreme, definitive happiness. So perfect life with the Trinity, right? Communion of life and love with the Trinity and fulfills a supreme and definitive happiness. Yeah. But we reach that by trying to do those things now, because the more we live in life and love with the Trinity and the Blessed Virgin Mary, and the more we are finding that supreme definitive happiness in the Holy Trinity now, yeah. means that Christ is going to reward us with the exact thing we're striving for here in the next life. Exactly. And those deepest human longings. I mean, we all know it's like we desire to know and to be known, you know, to be in communion with. As God said, it is not good for man to be alone. And in heaven, like what we're striving for is eternal communion with God, the Holy Trinity, our Blessed Mother, all the angels and saints and all the blessed. I mean, that is glorious. And then I love that word definitive too, mm-hmm. because it, 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 it just sort of points to the fact of the timelessness of heaven. Because I said this at the, um, the wedding mass I got to have on Saturday for Christopher and Julia Castile. The entrance was so beautiful, and they're such a wonderful couple, and it was great to prepare them. And they, they're here every Sunday, and they take it seriously, and it was just lovely to get to be a part of it. And I told them during the homily, I was like, you know, I just wish that entrance procession could have gone on forever because it was just so glorious. And the sun was kind of peeking out, and the music was lovely, and just it was all so great. And I said, but, you know, we're in time. Like, things pass But the beautiful thing in this life is that, like, okay, things are unfolding. We get to keep striving to participate in that communion more and more, that that our deepest human longings can be fulfilled more and more. I love using that phrase, more and more, too. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, in heaven, it's like it's definitive. Like, we will actually have true and lasting satisfaction in the deepest longings of who we were created to be. And that's to be people loving and in love. You know, just it's awesome. And it's going to be not just us. There's a huge community there. All oh. the saints, all those who have died before us, mm-hmm. those billions and billions of people we've already talked about. I'm looking forward to finding all those ancestors that <laughs> yeah. I've never met. Because how many how many people do you remember back in your ancestry? Yeah. Maybe your great-grandparents, maybe a little bit farther if you're lucky. But there's so many people that are praying for us, working with us in this church triumphant, as we talked about last time. Um, and it's just going to be this yeah, lovely, happy place with the Trinity and the beatific vision with all these people together surrounding each other. Yeah, it's really exciting. It's so good. I would just say, too, I mean, this is probably one of the first times I've really felt this way. It's like, hey, if you're having a rough day, it's like, go and just read these paragraphs of the catechism and mm-hmm. just take them one paragraph at a time and kind of go slowly. Because, like, okay, 1025, to live in heaven is to be with Christ. The elect live in Christ, but they retain or rather find their true identity, their own name. You know, for life is to be with Christ where Christ is, there is life, there is the kingdom. Like you can just sort of sit and savor each one of these phrases. You know, just that we find, I love that, Don't know, not, not that we merely retain, but we find our true identity. There won't even be any more like self-consciousness, right? Like for the last couple of weeks, I've had a lot of comments walking around. Oh, you're growing a beard. You got a beard. You know, it's like, uh, people notice everything about priests. Like it's so nice after mass and people are like, wow, are you tired? You look terrible today. Thank you. I am a human being. I appreciate that very much. You know, it's just, it's funny, but you know, it's like, okay, I'm not really self-conscious about the beard. I don't care. I just like not shaving. But, you know, like there will be no more self-consciousness. You're like, oh my gosh, what does this person think? How's it? It's just, no, like we will have, it's like eternal comfort, but not in like a way where you have a really nice snuggie, you know, like, like it's the comfort, like I said, of being known and knowing perfectly and having that like perpetually unfolding. It's like satisfaction without being full. Um, 
Yeah. It's like, uh, I don't know. Like, you know, when you're super thirsty and that initial moment of like drinking a glass of water and it's like, there's nothing better. Mm-hmm. It's like that forever, you know, but in a relational sort of way. Yeah. Just, uh, and I, and I feel like you enjoy the idea of heaven more when you are in a good state. Yeah. Uh, as we were talking about with the imitation of Christ quote, right? Because really if point. I was not in a good state and I was reading this and I had an inclination of, but what if I miss this? What if I don't receive this? Yeah. I do feel like there would be a huge loss of peace. Sure. Right. That this thing is so amazing, but the gate is narrow, right? Yeah. We have to, as you like to say, strive, strive. to enter mm-hmm. the narrow gate. And I'm not to boast my own horn, but I do the best I can sure. to be in the best state. And I do find myself at peace, you know, when I'm thinking about death at times. Sometimes I don't find myself at peace. Sure. And usually that means I need to go pray a little bit more and I need maybe go to confession. Um, but it, yeah, the, the glory of heaven is just so great. Yeah. But then you've got the flip side, right? Mm-hmm. Because there is a narrow gate. We are striving. And the reality is, some of us miss the mark a little bit yeah. and there's a place we go for a time mm-hmm. and some of us miss the mark entirely and yeah. there's a different place, yeah. right? So first purgatory, right? Mm-hmm. This place that's very, con- uh, not a little bit, there's some confrontation within the Christian denominations and churches about whether purgatory exists or not. We as Catholics believe that purgatory exists for a couple of reasons. One in scripture, Specifically in the book of Maccabees, you have an account of people praying for those who have died, right? That they may be purged and enter heaven. If you only had heaven or hell, prayers for the dead would not make sense, right? Because it's definitive. You're not praying for the definitive glory of those in heaven, right? Mm -hmm. They're already in the definitive glory. You're not praying for those that are eternally damned because they are already. Mm -hmm. Um so understanding that we pray for those who are deceased. We have All Souls Day. I mean, yeah. the biggest day of the year to pray for those who are deceased. Why? Because we understand that we all, almost all of us, miss the mark at, yeah. at death. Of course. That we aren't perfect, that we can't enter eternal perfection because we have baggage. Yeah. We have sinned. We have temporal punishment. We have things that we can't let go of yet to enter heaven. And thanks be to God, Christ says, hey, you know what? <laughs> I have a spot for you. Yeah. For a time, it's not forever. This isn't eternity. At some point, purgatory will not exist because we will either be in eternal paradise or eternal fire. Mm-hmm. So this is a more of a transitional state yeah. in purgatory. But we have a place to go to say, you're not there yet, but you will be. And that gives a little bit of consolation, right? Now, yeah. we shouldn't aim for purgatory, no. right? You don't want to say, Haha, let's, what's the lowest standard that I can that I can reach. Sure. Right. Because you don't want to miss that bar. No. But if you miss the heavenly bar a little bit, mm-hmm. Hey, you're fine. Yeah. You don't want to miss the lower end of that bar. Exactly. And once again, it's like everything is relational. You know, you want to strive to be as close to our Lord as you can to strive to live out what he told us to live out. The greatest of commandments, loving our Lord with all our mind, heart, body, and soul, loving our neighbors as ourselves. Um, you know, and you want to be striving for that at, at the top of your game all the time. But yeah, there are some things like we just, we have some attachments, we have some sins we've not let go of, we have some purification that we're in need of. And he gives us the chance because, and you know, and it's ultimately, it's like a, it's a realistic sort of uh, doctrine. And the fact of, yeah, I mean, who can say at death that you're just like, oh yeah, of course I'm perfect that's a dangerous thing to be thinking. It's like, no, I mean, I need help. I need your prayers. Except maybe if you walk in the room and give the, and you do all the list of the things you said you could do in the last rites, that's about yeah. as close as you're going to Oh, do. yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And that's, you know, and that's a hope. That's why we want everybody to receive that's that. That's the whole point. Exactly. Nevertheless, like we still, put it this way, I still had mass for him today. Yeah. You know, it's like we still, it's like you want to just kind of keep piling it on, you know, and I feel like that's that's never going to be a problem and then you have the 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 sort of counteract like well what it what if he is already in heaven look your prayers are never going to be wasted god knows what to do with them he knows where to apply them and maybe you know in his infinite wisdom if it takes like you know we're praying for him now and he's taking that that those prayers that grace applying it to somewhere else in that person's life maybe that's the case i don't know i don't know how our lord applies it i just know i want to keep trying to cooperate and asking for his help yeah and we need to keep praying for these brothers and sisters in purgatory. Absolutely. Because it is a transitional state. And mm-hmm. we ourselves 
most likely will end yeah. up at least for a time in purgatory. And we want champions on our side helping Heck us yeah. through that time all too. the way. <laughs> exactly. And then, unfortunately, you have hell. Hell. I mean, there's no yeah no easier way to sell it, say it. No. There is a place that people go when they turn away from God. Yeah. And ultimately, we recognize this in what we teach. The Catholic Church teaches about mortal sin, mm-hmm. right? Because mortal sin is the complete separation from God's grace, right? Mortal sin definition, right, would be a grave action, right? So I usually say ten top ten, ten commandments, mm-hmm. right, that you know fully that is wrong, and you have free ability and consent to do that action. And you do right? it. Thankfully, that is a reasonably steep bar. Not every sin that we commit is a mortal sin, no. but we probably all do commit mortal sins. Of course. And, uh, and you know, and it's there's a morning offering that I pray every morning. It's from the Dominican sisters up in Ann Arbor. It's like, uh, give me your holy benediction with an efficacious, efficacious grace not to commit a mortal sin throughout the whole course of my life, but particularly on this day on which, you know, I intend to in- obtain all the indulgences I can gain. It's like, I just, I love that because like, okay, today, help me today not to commit a mortal sin. Like, Lord, I love you. And, you know, think of it once again, think about everything as relational. Um, venial sins, like those little like nicking at the relationship, right? Mm-hmm. Like, let's just say, I don't know, it's, um, what is it? Is it June 9th is your birthday, right? Like, let's just July say like, 9th. July 9th. Dang, I was within a month. Hey, that's not bad. <laughs> so, it's, you know, it's like I just completely snub you on your birthday. Just don't really, you know, okay. It's not going to be good for a relationship. And then I just kind of like, I'm just not been really kind to you. I just kind of keep snubbing you in the office. It's like I just kind of keep nicking at it, right? It's just that's it's going to hurt the relationship. It's like a venial sin. But I don't know, like I kidnap one of your children. Our relationship's going to be done. Like we're not going to be good friends anymore. You know, it's like that's mortal sin. You know, it's like there, there are some things that are serious. And once you do that, it's like here's the thing. God is our eternal father. He's not just an indulging grandfather in the sky who doesn't really care. You know, it's like, ah, you kids do whatever you want. Just have a good time. That's totally a ripoff from C.S. Lewis, too, by the way. He yep. said, like, people don't just, they, they, they decide they don't want a father in heaven. They want a doting grandfather who, at the end of time, just wants to say, well, at least everybody had a good time. It's like, no, like, that's not what he wants. He wants us to be saints, to be on fire with love. And the thing is, though, it's like he respects our freedom so much that he doesn't make us participate in that. He doesn't make us know him. He doesn't, it's not like he's like the divine caveman who, you know, hits us over the head and drags us into heaven. We can choose to mortally sin. And I mean, I'll be honest, it's like, it's this weird sort of combo we have in this day and age where it's like, we are surrounded by horrendous stuff. And, you know, it's like people get angry and angry and complain about how bad everything is. And yet at the same time, they'll say like, oh, there's no hell. There can't be, no, I'm a good person. It's like, don't do that. Like, we can see the effects all around us. Like, once again, hell has a way of affecting things now. So does heaven. We can begin to participate in either one right now. Um, and mortal sin, it's like participating in hell. And so get out of it, get to confession, and keep striving towards heaven. Yeah, because I think that's the point that we have to continue to remember. Anytime you mention mortal sin, you have to mention, but there's confession. Absolutely. There's forgiveness of yeah. those sins. And there's forgiveness at the last moment of life. Yeah. Right? It's never too late. No. Right? Early not as long to... as we're still alive. Exactly. It's not too late. And so always look for that forgiveness. Always, if you commit mortal sin, go to confession. Yeah. Keep that peace, as we talked about in the Imitation of Christ again. Mm-hmm. Right? Keep that peace. And if you lose that peace, go get it back. Yeah. Right? Go to confession. Get that back. It's Christ gave us a fairly simple way to do it, all things considered. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you're in line for damnation, get in line for confession. Ta-da, you're back yeah. on the heavenly get- road. Basically, it's your opportunity to go to the particular judgment right now. Like, and and you have, as long as you're there. And make, and like, hedge your bets, too. Yes. Like, I'm going to the particular judgment, and I know what I'm doing yeah. because I placed my bet here. And when you are your own, like, what is it? You got the the defense and then what's the other attorney? The prosecuting attorney. When you're your own prosecuting attorney and you can say everything like, Lord, this is everything that's been in my heart. Like, here are the things that I've concealed from other people, but Lord, here you go. Mm-hmm. And you reveal that to the priests in the confessional and you get all that out of you. 
I mean, our Lord wiping that away and giving you the chance to just get up and get going again. Once again, it's like uh, chapter 15 of, of Luke's gospel. There's more rejoicing in heaven over one repentant sinner than over 99 who had no need of repentance. He like he glorifies in you coming back. He wants you to be in heaven. He does everything he can to make that happen. But as St. Augustine said, God who created you without you will not save you without you. You do have to participate. And the scary thing is, it's like with the devil, like he wants to like lull us into sleep or tempt us into different things or try to convince us that, you know, the glories we're talking about in heaven, eh, they're not so good. Do you really want to be up there playing some stupid harp on a cloud, you know? And, and I love it. C.S. Lewis, once again, he's like, for people that make fun of that, he's like, don't talk darn nonsense. He's like, that's, he's like, music is a symbol of, you know, tranquility, harmony, all of this going together, you know, clouds, a symbol of heaven. If you act as though it's just some stupid pedantic, it doesn't really matter thing. It's like, that's not what theologians are talking about. It's something so much deeper, but the devil is going to do whatever he can because he can't actually attack God. So he's going to attack God's beloved. And so if he can pull us away, that's what he's going to try to do. And he's at it all the time. We have spiritual warfare. And so what's the important thing? Stay in a state of grace. Go to confession once a month. You know, like keep praying every day. Stay close to the saints. Do what you're supposed to do. And I think on the on the flip side, kind of as a quote from St. Augustine, he created you without you. He won't save you without you, but he won't send you to hell without you. Yeah, exactly. We yeah. don't believe in predestination within no. the Catholic Church. No. Right? This is not people... This is not that people were created that were destined to hell. Yeah. We all are destined ultimately for heaven. Mm-hmm. We we are actually on the fast track. If yeah. we live that day-to-day good life, as you said, every day turning away from mortal sin, every day living a good life, the combination of all those good days, as I think you mentioned in your homily this past Sunday, make the perfect life. Of course. You don't have to be perfect every day. Just be good yeah. every day. And in the end, it's like you made it to heaven, which means... You lived a perfect life. Absolutely. The perfect goal is very attainable. Oh, yeah. With the daily good. And perfect means complete, too. It's like, okay, remember, like, all right. So clearly our Lord and the way he created me, he did not intend for me to play center for the Charlotte Hornets, right? Like, it's it would be dumb for me to make that, like, the goal of my life. I'm a short, relatively non-athletic, you know, 40-year-old. Like, if that were my goal, it would be dumb, you know? Like, he has made me for a specific and purpose. And it probably would have been done by well, now, Yeah, too. exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah. I would have been long retired, you know, hanging out with Muggsy Bogues, talking about the good old days. Um, but that clearly was not what he intended. I mean, he intended me to be a priest. Mm-hmm. How do I know that? Because Bishop Jugas laid hands on me, June the 5th, 2010. Um, you know, like, we need to cooperate with what he has asked of us. Like, he, he wants us to participate in what he's asking us to do. And so when you think about perfection... It's not, oh, well, Mother Teresa did so much. I can never do that. I should just quit trying. Like, No, he didn't create you to be Mother Teresa. He created you to be you. And to do that by living the daily duties with fidelity to his love. That's what he's calling you to right here, right now. Is it always glorious? No, it's not. Is it always really exciting? Not necessarily. But if you do everything with devotion and love for his greater glory and for the salvation of souls, the love of the people around you, life becomes very exciting very quickly. I'm not saying it's always happy. I'm not saying it's it's very rarely easy, but it's good. And it's just, it's a great way to live your life. And just one other thing too. So paragraph 1037 mm-hmm. is it's building on what you just said. God predestines no one to go to hell. For this, a willful turning away from God, a mortal sin is necessary and persistent persistence in it until the end. And by the way, I heard this, we may have talked about this in our last show, and I don't remember, or maybe it was just you and I talking in the hallway. Possibly. But um, I heard this uh, guy talking about the psychology of happiness recently, uh, Dr. Christopher Kayscore. Okay. And uh, he said one of these things, he said, remember, he, he called it, I think, the white elephant test. He goes, okay, everybody, don't think about white elephants. He's like, exactly, now you're thinking about white elephants, right? Like, you can't, like, our minds are funny. Like, we can't stay focused like a robot, right? And I love this because he said, okay, who here is perfect at always staying focused in prayer? Probably none of us, right? Like we kind of go all over the place. And that can be really frustrating because we want to do it so well. He said on the flip side, though, remember this. Like as in the same way we can't stay perfectly focused on prayer, we also can't stay perfectly focused on what's tempting us. Mm-hmm. He said, you know, there are going to be things that tempt you to sin. 
remember, just resist it. The devil will flee. I think that's in uh, the first letter of St. Peter. Like, resist him. He'll go away. Like, we can't stay perfectly focused even on a temptation. Like, we're fallen. We don't hold on to things for very long. Like, yesterday was a glorious three days of masses, or three masses. You know, it was like a lovely morning. The sun was blasting through. The music was great. Everything went well. It's so awesome. It's like, yay, I love being a priest. And then Monday morning comes, and I'm tired, and it's like the first six and a half hours of the day, we're like, go, 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 go. You know, it's like, whew, I'm just ready for a nap. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's like we have these ups and downs, and we're very affected by our physical makeup and if we're hungry or tired or cranky or all that, it makes it harder to keep going. That's why it's like, okay, persistence. And remember when you're being attacked, when you have these, these, you know, temptations coming at you, okay, don't be afraid. They're going to pass too. Like it's, it's all right. In the same way you can't stay perfectly focused on prayer. You also can't stay perfectly focused on the temptation. What in the end do you stay most focused on? And even when you feel like you keep falling, it's like, okay, Lord, I love you. I choose you again. Even though I feel completely tempted towards this thing that's going to pull me away from you, you know what? I'm not going to act on it. I'm going to stay focused on you. And eventually the temptation goes away. And it's it's one of the glorious things about being um, human, <laughs> just uh, that we don't stay focused all the time. But I just like that about, you know, not only moral soups, like in persistence in it until the end. Mm-hmm. Um which in some ways, yeah, I mean, that can be difficult. Does that mean it's impossible to be damned? No, clearly it doesn't. But um, I was talking this with the servers the other day. So I'm sure you've heard it, it takes more muscles to frown than, than to smile. Yes. Um, I realized this the other day because they're making fun of me for always doing this, you know. But I say, you know, it's funny. It takes more muscles to do this than it does to just shoot the thumbs up, which mm-hmm. is kind of funny to me. But it's sort of the same. It's like hopefully we get into this place where it's like our good actions, like we're willfully moving towards God. That's easier than trying to just like hold on to the mortal sin and like hold on to a grudge and and all of that. I mean, it's good to be holy. It's good to be good, to be in love with God. Does it take work? Yes, but I don't know. I think in some ways I just find this paragraph 1037 like a good one because like you have to persist in that mortal sin until the end. Yeah, yeah. And it honestly takes more effort sometimes to persist. Yeah, I think so because too. Because forgiveness is so easily attained. It's gorgeous. And that's why sometimes, and C.S. Lewis in his amazing book, The Great Divorce. He I was ta- waiting for us to quote You this, know this I would book. at some point, yeah, especially with all this. Like we couldn't not quote it. But he talks about how sometimes like the worst of sinners are closer to heaven than the ones that are just kind of, eh. like you wouldn't think they're so bad but they just don't care Mm -hmm. as opposed to the people that are like enraged, but it's like, they really have this like strong desire for something, you know? And it's like, sometimes like you may be closer to heaven in that than someone who just, it's like, that's why sloth is one of the capital sins. It's almost scarier in some ways to be like that than like being close to hitting rock bottom, right? Like if you're completely given over to a life of dissipation, you're very likely to be like the prodigal son. You're going to find out that, hey, like, I'm not even getting pods from the swine. Like, when I live a life that's just, eh, I don't care about people. I'm just going to use them, you know, sexually or otherwise and not be faithful in any way and all this. It leads to a life of loneliness. Um, not that he was that bad in the movie, but have you ever seen the movie Uncle Buck with John Candy? I have not. It's a good one. Highly worth watching. But there's this one point in it. He's, he's like a bachelor and... You know, he's sitting there like lamenting to the dog, like he has a beer and a cigar. And he's like, yeah, yeah, everybody say, oh, Buck, you got it so good. You can throw your clubs in your trunk, go bowling, do whatever you want, whenever you want. You got life so good. I got to, you know, go back to my wife and my kids. He goes, nobody really ever says that anymore. You know, and just like he's just like bemoaning the fact like he's never settled down. Um, and even that phrase makes it sound like, oh, but... I mean, you're a father. It's an adventure to be a father, to be a faithful husband, to keep going. Um, But to just be free to do whatever I want and all that, it's like that doesn't lead to happiness. And sort of like hitting rock bottom in that way, as you see in some movies, right? Like you find out like, oh, my goodness, like our Lord's mercy is right there, like ready to pick us up and lift us up out of the darkness. Yeah, and actually quoting or going with another C.S. Lewis book, right, the Screwtape Letters. Yeah. These two double writing letters back and forth. They basically say, don't let yeah. mankind hit rock bottom. Yeah. Because as soon as you hit rock bottom, you're tired of it. Yeah. And you want to get it off. You want to figure out how to fix it. If you are just kind of the wishy-washy, mm-hmm. you can live like that for a long time. That persistence, right? Yep. You don't rec- You don't entirely recognize that you're 
that you're that bad off. You're like, eh, it's not yeah, that bad. I'm okay. fine. I keep yeah. doing this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, when you do hit rock bottom, people are closer because they recognize that they've lost something or they've missed something. Yeah. As soon as you don't realize what you're missing, that's when the danger really persists. Exactly. And, you know, in the uh, the parable, the sower went out to sow, and, you know, and you have the seed that fell among thorns. I think he, he compares the thorns to three things. Only one of them is, like, difficulties. The other two, it's, like, temptation and the riches, or, like, you know, like, the goods and riches of this world. Like, those are snares that can sort of pull us away. It's like, we're just comfortable enough. It's like, eh, I'm fine. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. but... You don't want to be just fine for all of eternity. You want to be on fire with I have a lot of money. What Eh, more do I need? What more do I need? You need a lot more. It's like, give the money away. It's amazing. Like, there's a reason why our Lord called the rich young man to give away all he owned and follow him. Because to follow Christ is is the greater adventure, the greater glory than just being satisfied with my 401k. (laughs) So, cool. Now, the last journey, the last kind of richness is this last judgment, right? Mm -hmm. Now, those who have kind of died from the particular, already and have suffered the particular judgment mm-hmm. or gone through the particular judgment, not necessarily suffered, the last judgment doesn't make a huge difference, right? You're not going to, hey, you're not going to end up from going to heaven to hell or hell to heaven. But there is, there is going to be a judgment of all mm-hmm. creation, right? It actually talks about individuals being judged, but then all the created, all the cosmos, being judged for the goodness that it was in proclaiming God's truth and goodness and beauty. Um, but the big point about the last judgment is when the last judgment comes, resurrection of the body. Right? Oh, yeah. So we're oh, kind yeah. of tying these two things. Everything's tied back we're together. We're tying these two things back together. Resurrection of the body, life everlasting with this last judgment, right? A new heaven and new earth, right? Because when we get our bodies back, they're physical. Yeah. Our souls are spiritual. So heaven currently does have bodies in heaven because you got Jesus' resurrection mm-hmm. body and Mary and arguably Elijah's from scripture. Yeah. Um, but there is, but obviously everyone else, yeah. minus maybe three, um, don't have their physical reality. Nope. So however, when we do have our physical reality, our bodies back, there has to be physicalness as well. Jesus came and he ate fish, mm-hmm. right? So as we talked about last time, eating, drinking, these types of things are going to be there. So what does this actually look like? We don't know. And the catechisms are very blunt about that. And it's so, I mean, it's so exciting to contemplate and think about what that's going to be like. I think, okay, just to kind of get into this a little bit, 1039, that opening sentence. Mm-hmm. In the presence of Christ, who is truth itself, the truth of each man's relationship with God will be laid bare. Because of the particular judgment, it's a, you know, you and Christ sort of a thing. Like, okay, you're going to have everything revealed to you about your own life. Do you remember those uh, commercials that came out a while back, the Catholics Come Home commercials? Yes. And they had, like, people walking into this, like, big warehouse. It's, like, the movie of their life. And, you know, it's, like, Mm -hmm. a lot of people are crying and some are kind of happy in because it's, like, seeing everything that happened. Okay, that's you, right? Like, seeing everything you did and, like, hearing, like, my life flash before my eyes, right? Like, that sort of thing. With this, it's like, okay, you know how we talk about, you know, from God's perspective and, like, why would this happen? Why? It's like the answering of the question of why and the fact that, that that's going to take, you know, like a billion years to unfold for all. It's like nothing will be concealed. Like all the secrets will come out. In the end, you know, nothing will be in the dark. And, to you know, to think about, okay, like something, you know, you're talking about knowing your ancestors, something, you know, one of our great-great-grandfathers did that had an impact that led to you and I sitting here right now, you know, like just, and to see all of those connections and to see the way in which as I, you know, as I think I referred to our heavenly father before, it's like the, you know, the glorious divine conductor of the whole symphony and bringing it all together. Mm -hmm. It's like, if you've ever watched Beethoven's Ninth Symphony performed, you know, where you've got these, you know, so many instruments, and then you got the choir singing in German and all of this, like all of it being pulled together. It's like looking forward to that. And, but you know, and like Beethoven's Ninth is not even like the size of a drop in the bucket, you know, drop in the ocean, you know, compared to like all of that being unfolded, all the moments of time and seeing how it all fits together. And it's like, you know, we need eternity to have that completely unfolded and to know how that love all played out. And so it's like, I mean, we know in the particular judgment about our own, like our own part kind of, um, and like our own judgment. But with the last judgment, it's just like there are no more secrets. Everything is revealed. 
And I just find that incredible and so fascinating. Everything is revealed. Everything is made full. Everything is made new. New heaven, new earth. Yeah, we can't even fathom what this no, is going to be no, like. No, it's outside of time, outside of space, like in full cooperation with God. Yeah. I and mean, that's just so and good. And even, I mean, we were talking about, right, death and heaven. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden we're talking about a new heaven. And a new earth. And a new earth. It's like, but I thought we were already saying heaven was amazing. But it even gets better. Yeah. Wait, there's more kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. But wait. Yeah, that's so great. And uh, yeah, we can't even fathom this. Mm-hmm. And now on the flip side, important to note, right? If you do go to hell, there's a greater pain and suffering when you get your body back on the flip side, right? Mm-hmm. So, oh, hell is bad. Oh, wait, there's more on the negative side yeah. as well. Um, all the more reason, again, going back to the whole point, I think, of this conversation is go to confession. Yeah. Be in a good state. Be at peace with your conscience. Be at peace with your soul. Because be at peace with God. Yeah. Because the alternative is not a great alternative. It's not a great alternative. And sin in and of itself, you know, sin is its own reward. It's not good. It's not going to make you happy. Trust our Lord. Trust him in what he says to you. You know, like listen to what he's given us in the moral law. Strive for charity. Strive for forgiveness. It makes us so much happier. And this is the thing, like this is in no way a look at me, I'm doing this. No, I mean, it's like this, this is the gift that Christ has given us. And he wants us to participate in the communion that he's had with the Father and the Holy Spirit from forever. Mm-hmm. And yeah, respond because it's worth it. Yeah. And I, I also like just this one line of paragraph 1049 that the new earth should spur us on, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. This expectation, this expectation of joy of what is this new heaven and new earth, what will come should actually be a driving factor yeah. in our life. Yeah. To say, I want that, which makes perfect sense because mm-hmm. we're bodily, physical human beings. I mean, what would people do nowadays for a hundred bucks, you know, that we do like these physical comforts? Well, the new earth will be an actual unending, perfect physical yeah. comfort. Yeah. And if we're willing to do something for a, a bowl of ice cream or a hundred bucks or a new, new clothes or a new car, these physical things that will pass away... What should we be spurred on to do for these physical glories that truly will never pass away? Absolutely. And, and it's beyond the imagination, and yet he gives us foretastes of it all the time. Um, you know what? Do you, I think we should read 1050 as well, just to kind of close us out. Of course. When we have spread on earth the fruits of our nature and our enterprise, according to the command of the Lord and in his spirit, we will find them once again, cleansed this time from stain of sin, illuminated and transfigured, When Christ presents to his Father an eternal and universal kingdom, God will then be all in all in eternal life. True and subsistent life consists in this, the Father, through the Son and in the Holy Spirit, pouring out his heavenly gifts on all things without exception. Thanks to his mercy, we too, men that we are, have received the inalienable promise of eternal life. Wow. It's going to be better than we can put into words. And so what does that mean? Keep striving for it each day. An inalienable promise. It's pretty exciting. It is very exciting. So, I mean, yeah, it's just, it's so good to be able to articulate, okay, why do we do what we do? Mm -hmm. I mean, really, it's like this kind of sums up like why we even get together to discuss the catechism, why we come into work every day, why we have mass so many times, why I just had a funeral, you know, all these different things. It's because we have real and true hope in life everlasting and by striving to work toward that it's like that gets to have an impact on everything right now too and so we just keep working at it every day we are striving but not only just us striving we are striving to help others to strive yeah exactly it is spurring us on to help others be spurred on i mean that's and it doesn't just mean be that because you're a priest and I work for the church. No, it's for this all of should us. Be everyone's it's everybody's they, baptismal call. You are striving mm-hmm. to get to heaven and help as many people get there as possible because they might not understand the glory, but if we understand the glory, we're going to strive to help others see and come to a knowledge and appreciation of the glory to come as well. Absolutely. And that the last judgment. We're, we're going to get to see the part that we got to play and what all, and like just, you know, the, the impacts that we had that we didn't even realize that we had. And that, gosh, that's so exciting.
And that wraps us up right there. I think so. 10.50. Not bad. So there's an in-brief for 10.51 to 10.60. We do the last word of the creed. Which is? Amen. Amen. Woohoo! Which we'll talk about next time. We will. And then part two, the celebration yes. of the Christian mystery. Essentially, getting to talk about the sacraments for the yes. next year plus. Which will be awesome. Because, wow, I love the sacraments so much. And I feel like I'm looking forward to the sacraments because it's just so much it's just so you know, easily grasped. It's, it's, it's easier to it's grasp. It's the ordinary means of receiving yeah. grace. And so ordinary tangible. Awesome. Yeah, tangible. We for. know where to go. Matter and form. All these great things. Yeah. So very exciting. Moving right along. Onward and upward. Further up and further in. Praise God. And uh, yeah, let's close with a prayer. And we'll see everyone back here next month. I love it. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Almighty God bless you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. Thanks be to God.